Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. Uh, we are joined by Tim Miller, who's actually on vacation, but has agreed because we have so much to talk about, agreed to come on the podcast today. So first of all, uh, good morning, Tim. Hanging out with you is kind of like a vacation, Charlie. So it's uh, like, that, that's sweet. That, that we're exactly the same as having a banana daiquiri and some jerk chicken and some conch uh, sitting on the beach. But uh, it's, a, it's a close second. I thought you were there to train for the uh, island bobsled team. <laughs> I, I, I'm considering it. My daughter, actually, I, I'm hoping we can get some uh, some dual nationality, so she can. It, it would, you know, it feels oh, no. these sort of niche Olympic sports is the path to glory, right? Right. You you, you find a sport that nobody else is doing. So where are you exactly? Uh, we're in I'm in Turks and Caicos on the uh, Providencialis Island. They call it Provo. See, I'm just gonna have to now look this up on a map. Yeah, this is like eyes. Technically, this is an international podcast. I'm in international waters. We really, I wonder. We we've done no, we have done international podcasts before. Hey, speaking of podcasts, I just uh, just a a a quick note here. I want to thank all the listeners and all the all the guests of the of the Bulwark podcast. We just crossed 47 million downloads, and July is going to be our biggest month ever, which I think is extraordinary considering it's the middle of summer. Uh, we will have, I'm thinking, more than 3 million downloads this month alone, which means that it is bigger than January. And I just, I'm not sure that I fully understand why, but hey, thank you. I'm very, very grateful, very, very appreciative of it uh, to, uh, you know, with the very modest beginnings of this podcast a couple of years ago. And I think I've told the story how I had been uh, working with some folks from public radio on on, on a podcast, which would have been absolutely awesome. <laughs> uh, it would have been fantastic. But I remember sitting down with one of the uh, with the bosses and said, OK, well, what, what are your expectations for this podcast? And this was I think I've, I've told the story, so I mean, I'm not telling tales out of school. This was with uh, WNYC, which is a public radio's uh, flagship station in New York City. And so I, you know, I was a little intimidated by this. And I, I said, so what are your expectations? And he said, uh, one million downloads a month. And I was freaked. I thought, that's really a lot. There's no question about it. So the fact that uh, the Bulwark podcast has been pulling down uh, more than two million uh, downloads a month for the last, I think, 11, 12 months is, is, is continues to blow me away. And this month looks like it's going to be 3 million. So, uh, Tim and all of the other guests, thank you so much for helping uh, make this podcast what it's become. I'm pumped. Right? Thank you. And this is actually why I'm in off of vacation. Uh, we got to get over the 3 million hump. You got to bring in the heavy hitter or the cleanup hitter here at the end of the month, right? We that was August 1. This is exactly my thinking, by the way, Tim. I'm 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 sorry that that you that you you figured that out, but that that is pretty much what I was thinking. Okay, we have a lot to talk about today. We have uh, S S Simone uh, Biles. We have uh, your old friend uh, George P. Bush. Uh, we have the infrastructure deal. We have the vax and mask wars. And okay, I need to take a deep breath before we get into the vax and mask wars. But so let's talk about the least sexy topic out there which is infrastructure. It is inf It really is infrastructure week. I mean, who the hell knew? Now, I, I have to say that this was an impressive vote yesterday. I was going back, I was trying to read all of the um, all of the hot takes about the negotiations on the bipartisan bill. And I don't think anybody out there thought that there was going to be 67 votes 
for to advance this. So this, you know, they needed 60 votes to move it to move it ahead. Um, Yesterday, we got the the word, the warning, the threats from Mar-a-Lago, you know, the former guy, you know, issuing a statement telling, you know, you super rhinos don't deal with the far left Democrats. Otherwise, you're going to be primaried. And and 17 Republicans then proceeded to go, we don't give a shit. And they voted for it. So give me your give me your hot take on Joe Biden's big infrastructure win. Yeah, well, it's it's a mini win. Uh, You know, there's no mission accomplished banner up yet, Um, but uh, they still got to, you know, iron out the details, get it to the floor, get a vote, get it over the house or the squad might be a problem. But I I think that they're going to pass it. There are two things that just looking at this from a human nature perspective, Charlie, a lot of times political, you know, folks, we get stuck in just just obsessing over the politics of it. But but these senators and this was why I was always a little bit more bullish on this uh, happening, a, a bipartisan bill passing, is like they wa- they do want to do something. Like not all of them. I don't think Ted Cruz actually wants to do anything besides troll people. But uh, but, but right. many of these sort of old men, you know, people who have gone along with this, your Richard Burrs, your Rob Portmans, you know, they were scared of Trump. They, they were no, not going to be profiles in courage, but they still, they don't want to do nothing, right? They're, they're just as this human nature to be like, I'm here, we should try to do something, right? And so I think that was always fighting against, could the Trump and MAGA media wing turn this into enough of a lightning rod that they can't do it? And so far, like, that's been a big fail. You know, there's been a, a Laura Ingram tweet here and there. The former guy will fax out one statement from Bedminster. But but there has not really been a concerted effort in the way we've seen on, you know, our next topic on, on vaccines and masks and such to, to really turn this into a lightning rod issue for the base. And so that has given them enough cover to try to do something. And, and I think that, that Biden, to his credit, um, has been willing to give a lot. I mean, my take always on this was: I'm not sure if infrastructure should, could would pass. I think even if it didn't pass, it's in Biden's political interest to try really hard to make it bipartisan, and so then it would be a win-win for him. He could blame the Republicans, or he could get his deal. And, and so I think that that Ricketti and all these sort of old centrists, you know, we're told that Biden's this Trojan horse for the left, but it's really like these old DLC centrists like Steve Ricketti and Ron Klain that are cutting these deals behind the scenes. And, and, you know, the deal seems pretty good. It seems like they're going to mostly pay for it. Um, they're going to punish the cryptocurrency bros. I like that. It's time for those guys to pay some taxes, too. Um, they're going to re, um, uh, redirect some of the money um, from the emergency COVID package that was, you know, maybe a little bigger than it needed to be. So all in all, if it happens, huge win. And, and I think that, like, Biden has played the odds on this right that he could get enough people who wanted to do something as long as the conservative media didn't, you know, didn't turn it into an unacceptable, you know, breach of, of the MAGA oath. Well, I have uh, two, two parallel takes on this. Number, number one, um, you could look at this and go, well, yeah, this is the easiest possible vote. You, you're asking politicians to spend money on things that are going to be generally popular. So uh, it shouldn't be any surprise. This is sort of a reversion to form. Uh, infrastructure bills are the easiest thing to pass. Okay, that's and that's true. But the parallel um, take has to be but still, given the current environment and all of the incentives of Republicans to do to to give Biden nothing, um, the obstructionism of uh, the the default obstructionism of Mitch McConnell, it's still extraordinary. But I think you actually have put your finger on it that that 
f- uh, spending money is no longer the beating heart of the right or the right media. This is yeah. just not something that they that they get worked up. T- Tucker Carlson is not devoting uh, monologues night after night to this. You know, this is not the big thing. I mean, they'll they'll do some throwaway lines about you know big spending and inflation, etc. But you know, this shows how the Republican Party has really moved a long way from the Tea Party because it is it is not about deficit spending. It's not about it's not about intergenerational transfers of wealth anymore. They they have moved on to to diff, to different things. I do think this though, for you know, you and I have, you know, gone back and forth on on, on Joe Biden, you know, and I was sort of, you know, jibing about, you know, the you know, your enthusiasm for Biden. But look, <laughs> give, give hey, give the guy credit. Um, you know, think about all of the the hot takes that sneered at Biden's naivete. You know, how, you know, you're, you're past it to think that you'll ever be able to work with with Republicans. This whole idea that there'd be a bipartisan vote, boy, you know, what a delusion on Biden's part. And Biden just kind of stuck with it and said, "No, I think I can do this. I can think I can do this." There was huge. I mean, the conventional wisdom was beyond skeptical, and and the guy pulled it off. And and you know, I mean, yeah, there, there's 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 stuff that has to happen now. But remember, you don't now need you don't need 67 votes to pass this thing. You can vote to advance it to to invoke cloture um, and and vote against the ultimate package when they finally actually write it down. But uh, they're going to have the votes to pass this. Now, what whatever happens to the three point five trillion? I, I have no idea. That's the one they're going to push through on reconciliation. Everybody's worked up because uh, Kirsten Cinema said she's not going to go for it. But, you know, again, th- this is how negotiations work. You know, especially if you have a lot of clout. I mean, at some moment, there's going to be a meeting, right, Tim, where they, they come in and they go, okay, Kirsten, um, just write on a piece of paper what you need. What do you want? What's, what's, what is it, what is it going to take? Write down a number, write down something, and that's going to be the deal. And, and they'll, they'll come up with something. Yeah. So you, you, you don't have a deal until you have a deal. And so everybody gets all freaked out like, there's no deal, there's no deal. Well, no, there's not going to be a deal until there is a deal which may sound stupid, but that's the way it works. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there's reason to be skeptical on the reconciliation side of things because of the way cinema and mansion have been. But, but again, you have to pay for that, right? So, I mean, I think that there's going to be a way for them to, you know, come up with something that that is that might be mansion and cinema appropriate. So, I, I don't know. Look, I, I think that Biden, to your point, on, on me sucking up to biden i think that that biden i didn't say you were sucking i these are not my words <laughs> but i think that my think. point is that that biden has been unique in that it's hard to imagine well a it's hard to it's hard to be certain that any of those other you know uh guys on the stage and women on the stage in 2020 would have actually been in the white house but even if they did there it's hard to imagine a warren even a harris sticking with this bipartisan effort for eight months, right? While they're taking heat from the left. Like mm-hmm. Biden has been a uniquely well-suited for handling the Democrats' biggest issues, right? Which is, you know, the left tail that is, that is you know, uh, trying to push them on defund the police and push them in, in you know, these spending bills and to doing things that, you know, aren't going to necessarily have broad support. And Biden has been a check on that. And, and, and in a way that I don't think that any of the other, you know, candidates would have had the gumption to do. And it continues to pay off for them. I mean, we're a year and a half out. So, you know, a lot can happen between now and next November. But so far, my, not. my Biden fangirling continues to prove to prove out correct. I I was acknowledging that I I think I think that's I think that's true, 
And I think that that the conventional wisdom is kind of like scrambling to like, wait, wait, uh, you know, that this was going on behind closed doors. I mean, literally in my feed, I still have some of the takes like, hey, Biden's losing it. Biden is slipping. Um, (laughs) This deal is, you know, on life support. It is in dire shape. And then it just happens. Okay, so uh, again, before we get to the vaccine and and uh, and mask wars and and Simone Biles and everything, let's just talk about two stories out of Texas this week. Uh, before we, we pass so you can tell that um, Donald Trump and Trump world is very, 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 very unhappy about losing that special election. Uh, his endorsed candidate uh, was was defeated. And uh, also we, we have the uh, George uh, P. Bush thrown under the bus story. So uh, Axios has a great uh, conversation with, uh, with with Trump where he calls up, apparently calls up Jonathan Swan and says, you know, we didn't really lose. Well, we did kind of lose, but it wasn't my fault and I really don't care about it. And and then other people who are trying to blame the club for growth. So give me your take on on, on, on that, um, with all the caveats that, that it's, it's perhaps dangerous to overanalyze a low turnout election in one congressional district. Yeah, so it's just one, here are the caveats. It's just one race, and this Jake Elsey is not exactly Adam Kinzinger. You know, it's not, I'm not exactly going to be a bulwark um, endorsed candidate here as far as you know, current Chris, standing Chris, up. Bill Crystal gave him money. That was a big thing down there. <laughs> I, I do love that, that the Club for Growth basically baited Trump into endorsing the weaker candidate based on Bill Crystal's 250 yeah. bucks. So uh, God bless <laughs> Bill Crystal <laughs> um, for yes. that. Um, so that, that is that is a great subplot to this. For the, the, the bulwark effect. We have to work on the bulwark effect. It is, it is a bulwark moment right now. We're getting bipartisan deals and, you know, the Bill Crystal candidates winning. Um, look, I, I, so the devil on the JVL devil on my shoulder uh, is kind of like wants the craziest Trump endorsed candidates to win some of these primaries to, you know, mm. punish the, to, to punish the Republicans. And so I do have, you know, this, I just, the shadow side inside of me that emotionally wants the craziest Republicans to win these primaries because they deserve it. And the normals that have gone along with Trump deserve pain. Uh, that said, um, the, my brain and I, I think the better angels of my nature, maybe the Sarah angel on my other shoulder says, says, in balance, it is a good sign if Trump, you know, if Trump's power in these primaries is is diminishing. And at the end of the day, we're going to need a Republican Party that is at least vaguely normal for the country to function. And I don't think that that's on the horizon. But if there are little green shoots that demonstrate that, hey, maybe the old maxim that the craziest son of a bitch in the race is not going to win every single primary anymore um, is, is a good thing. And, and I think that Trump's, you know, kind of waning power um, in, in endorsements, I, I don't think this affects Trump himself, really, in 2024. But in endorsements, the waning power, I think, is also a good thing. So I'm not exactly, you know, going out and buying a Jake Elsey t-shirt. I'm not sending him 250 bucks like Bill Crystal um, uh, did in 2018, just 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 for the facts. <laughs> Bill didn't actually send him money this cycle. This was that was just a bunch of BS that the uh, that the MAGA folks were pushing. Um, but uh, you know, in, in on balance, I think that a narrow, very narrow race you can't over you know overanalyze it but i I do think that that's uh, you know what we should be rooting for even though you know a little part of me a little part of me wants the craziest to 
wants the crazy stuff. Yeah, but the problem is, is that that I, I by the way, I, I I kind of share that that temptation. But the problem is, is that if we've learned one thing, is that be careful what you wish for, because the crazies may win, and then they may win. And then you may have a United States Senate with a Tommy Tuberville. You may have a, you know, House of Representatives with Lauren Boebert and, a, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, a, you know, Cawthorn and all of these guys. They are there, you know, Gomert and Gosar. It's like, um, okay, so you are our designated um, Jeb exclamation point Bush guy. Um, and so I, your, your thoughts on the utter humiliation of George P. Bush who was just aggressively sucking up to Donald Trump. He wants to be the attorney general of Texas. He's running against the thoroughly corrupt but very Trumpy incumbent, probably thought, you know, if I suck up, kiss up, maybe um, Trump will look at me and think I'm the good Bush. I mean, that's what he put on the beer koozie or whatever. I mean, it was that, was that cringeworthy. Um, but um, Bush, I mean, um, Trump uh, decided he was going to throw George P. under the bus, endorsed uh, Ken Paxton despite his indictment and everything. So George George P. Bush, guy was willing to betray members of his own family to get the coveted Trump endorsement or at least Trump neutrality. Guy's totally fucked now, isn't he? I, I don't know if he's totally fucked or not. I mean, I, you know, Paxton is is, is, is not a strong candidate. Um, so, and I, and I think that, you know, there are, if there's a state where there's a decent number of, you know, kind of these wall street journal type Republicans who went along with Trump and aren't really fully MAGA, I I mean, Texas is it, you've got Dallas and Houston, big metros and, and stuff where, where, so look, I think he's almost, almost certainly going to lose, but I, I don't think he's totally fucked. Um, I will say this, uh, I've been off Twitter since I'm on this vacation. Um, you know, in the morning, I, I retweet a few Bulwark articles and, and, and such in order to, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. make sure people see what's going on. But I, I've been I've been off of Twitter fights. I'm not getting on. And I, boy, was I tempted. when I, And I do have to admit that I cheated when I saw the news <laughs> of the Ken Paxton thing. And I did some schadenfreude scrolling um, because I, I, I wanted to sort of bathe in the takes. I mean, the, the koozie is really what did it for me, Charlie. Yeah, and I, I know. I know P. And, you know, I, I, I love Jeb. Jeb is my favorite person I've ever worked for. And so I don't want anything that causes him pain. But the koozie that said the only Bush that got it right. I mean, if I, if I did have, and if there's a listener that has these sorts of Photoshop skills, I, I do kind of want to make a koozie that has Barbara Bush on it. <laughs> when, oh. with the Bush who got it right, wagging her finger at George P. Because Barbara Bush never missed a damn beat on Donald Trump. And she was she was tough as nails from the start, and she never wavered, and neither did H.W. for that matter. He used to famously throw his shoe at the TV, um, you know, uh, before he asked whenever Trump came on uh, whenever Trump came on during the 16 primaries so they saw these things clearly and and Pete saw it clearly uh, you know he just made a bet and he was playing a political game and he made a bet and it's hard not to appreciate when someone makes such a craven bet and it's a losing one yeah it's uh it it was a craven bet and and, and you know basically sticking it to your own father and mother. Um, I mean, I, I look, I understand ambition and I understand cynicism. I'm deeply cynical myself, but, but the whole, uh, mother, father thing, um, made it, made, made it, made it sort of biblical. Yeah, and he's <laughs> Just, only 43 she, and he's only 43, you know, like, look back. I went out, I, I haven't talked to him in a while, but back when I was talking to him, that's what I said. I was yeah. like, man, why don't you wait this out? Like, like the actuarial tables are working against Trump. 
Like you really have to be, do you want to be AG that bad that you jump in right now yeah. when it requires this? I mean, it's insane. Uh, who knows? Or run as an independent against the corrupt Paxton. Uh, maybe there's a path there. I, I guess there are choices. There are options here. It's not as if there are I, always I, choices, you know, so anyway, I, that's the part right. that's most frustrating. Okay, so I want to talk about what's going on with the vaxes, uh, the masks, the uh, very confusing CDC um, recommendations, the whole backlash against Simone Biles and the backlash against the backlash. But, hey, let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with more from Tim Miller. Hey, Charlie Sykes here. Uh, Just a quick reminder, if you sign up for Bulwark Plus, you will have access to our morning newsletters to JVL's Triad, uh, as well as our whole suite of podcasts. This one will remain free, but if you want to listen to The Secret Podcast or uh, participate in our live streams uh, or others like The Next Level Podcast, uh, please consider joining Bulwark Plus. We're back with Tim Miller, who is uh, is taking a break from his vacation to talk with us today because there's so much going on. So while you've been gone, have you noticed that the whole coronavirus thing didn't go away? (laughs) We have the Delta variant and people are scrambling around. What do we do? Um, It is clearly a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And we're sort of getting mixed messages now. Um, We we have Republican politicians who have suddenly realized that, hey, it's our constituents are dying. Maybe we should actually care about it. And they're actually having press conferences. Uh, Mitch McConnell, amazingly, is using unspent money from his PAC uh, to uh, run pro-vaccine ads. However, the folks in the right wing media who continue to you know play the culture war cards for uh, for clicks and contributions are still pushing this uh, Tucker Carlson's still out there beating up on Fauci and and I want to play for you a soundbite from um David Brody who's on CBN is CBN still is is that still Christian broadcast network is it still uh, or does it mean you know? that's you is definitely on CBN I actually was on his show a few times uh, is he yeah. still on CBN I don't know yes he is and and here is uh, deep breath here oh. Tim deep, I'm, I'm, I'm see I, I waited this long because I wanted to extend your vacation a little bit here is <laughs> and, and he's 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 very MAGA right now, and he's very much into the culture war and and apparently has figured, you know, if Fox News and the Republicans won't carry my completely moronic, idiotic takes, I'm going to have to double down. So here's um, a portion, a little bit of his monologue from last night to millions of folks or thousands or tens of people in the MAGA world. Let's just play this. We are at a critical juncture in America. As each day goes by, vaccine mandates increase. The government, both federal, state, and local, is in the role of the bully. They will tell you they are just doing it for the safety of you and others. But what about for freedom's sake? What's more important? I'm going to go with freedom. Patrick Henry once famously said, give me liberty or give me death when standing up to British rule. Well, in this modern day America, we are moving toward government bondage yet again. Bondage. The unvaccinated in this country will now be considered second class citizens in the workplace and in society, wherever they go. It's playing out before our eyes. What are you going to do about it? In France <sighs> and other countries, they're taking to the streets saying enough is enough. We're done with your vaccine mandates. We're done with the fear. We're done with the government knows best control. We're done with follow the science when the science doesn't even make sense half the time. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of it. Kids in masks, 
vaccinated people now back to wearing masks. I can't take the unvaccinated <laughs> seen as the lepers of society. Folks, it is time for a serious movement to stop this tyrannical nonsense. No violence, mind you. No, no. Please, no, no violence. No, no. But oh, God. No, no, no violence, but okay, it's bondage and tyrannical and lepers and, <sighs> you know, I mean, segregation in this. Imagine, yes, and the segregation, and you can imagine, you know, what what he would say if we lived in a world where millions of people had actually died from this, where more than 600,000 Americans had died and many others were sick and in which our hospitals were filled with people. Oh, wait, th that's actually happened. And this guy is still doing this. Look, I, you know, I, I honestly don't know what's happened to people's brains. And we've talked about this before. But so let's let's talk about this. I mean, we we are starting to see the spread of these vaccine mandates. Um, th this is becoming a thing, mainly from, again, th th we're going to have mandates for government employees, probably for the army and and and. and and uh, institutions like that. But most of the most of the action seems to be um, it's it's going to be in the private sector. So, you know, Facebook, Google, Netflix all say that they're going to require many of their employees to be vaccinated. Uh, several local governments, obviously, including New York State, has announced worker mandates. Uh, when 600 universities have announced mandates for students or employees, and then, of course, the big one uh, today is going to be the, uh, you know, mandate for the millions of people who work for the federal government. My take, and I've talked about this all week, is it's about damn time. Um, I am sick of being held hostage by uh, the disinformation, by the stubbornness, by the stupidity of the people who have been pushing the anti-vax message. Yeah, well, I'll just start with Brody for a second. I, I mean, he is right about one thing that he is a second class citizen, um, I think, in his like in his brain power and in his yeah. behavior. Um, I, I, I just I don't have you. Did you ever watch the movie Contagion? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so it's a movie about this pandemic. It happened that came out before the coronavirus. It was like kind of a, a astonishingly prescient in a number of ways. Um, and and one of the ways was was there was this character named uh, Jude Law played a character who was just who did vac who did anti-vax and you know disinformation and he pushed a fake drug like hydroxychloroquine and I mean the whole thing all came to pass and it was like a little campy honestly when I watched it the, the Jude Law character felt a little over overdone and like reality has come in and then made Jude Law's character in the in the movie seem kind of kind of mild actually it turns out that like i mean this is just such not in addition to brody someone else sent me metaxas um or have you said oh, this morning like saying that he wants to be a rebel he's not going to take it because he's a rebel you know they're comparing themselves to patrick henry and this is just all utter bullshit i mean it's just utter performative bullshit and and like and 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 you know all of these people had to get their, you know, immunization to go to school when they were kids. Like everybody's done all that. Like, like there is nothing, there is nothing of substance behind this. It is just, you know, performative outrage in order to get clicks and get attention and feed the, the population. And so I'm, I'm with you. Look, I'm happy that McConnell is doing the ad because my main complaint with the Republicans has been, you know, the politicians in the last couple of weeks have been coming around and making a statement like you should get vaccinated. And, and I've been saying that is not enough. Like after yeah. a year of disinformation, like putting out one sentence statement that the Washington Post covers, but that doesn't get onto people's Facebook feeds, it doesn't get into OAN, it doesn't get into their ads. 
like isn't going to do it. Like they, they need to do more. You know, this was my complaint about DeSantis, who like on the one hand, you know, gives us press conference and he says get vaxxed. And on the other hand, he's suing the the uh, um, the cruise ships that want to mandate vaccines. He has no program. There's no proactive lottery or, or any sort of incentive program in Florida. Like one press conference doesn't do it. So I'm glad McConnell is doing the ads. I'm glad that we're seeing some mandates, particularly from outside things. It's the only it's the only answer. And, and, I, and I would like to see a little bit, and this has been, so after my Biden fangirling earlier, this is my one critique of, of just the Democrats writ large, is that I would like to see a little more aggressiveness from them on pushing the vaccinations and, and, and not, you know, sending these mixed messages on the mass. Like, I get it. I get that you have to do some of the stuff on the science, you know, you know, the, 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 there's the, we don't know yet how much vaccination vaccinated people are spreading this to the unvaccinated. But, but if you're going to change the mask rules, there needs to be some carrots and sticks on the, I vaccine. know this, 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 I'm sorry. I, the, the, I think the CDC is botching the mask um, yeah. uh, guidance, but, but let's stick with the vax for a moment, because yeah. I mean, this is the answer. This is the, this is the alpha and the omega of all of this. Every, everything else flows from all of this, which again, raises the question, why hasn't the FDA given full vaccine approval? I, I, this is this is a question that's bothering me more and more because this is one of the excuses that a lot of folks make is that I'm, I'm not going to take it as long as it doesn't have final approval. It just has the emergency approval. And our, our friends over at the dispatch have uh, had a very interesting interview with uh, an infectious disease expert at the University of California, San Francisco. Uh, her name is uh, Dr. Monica uh, Gandhi. And she told the dispatch and when they asked her, okay, so why why hasn't the why hasn't the FDA given the vaccines full approval? Um, you know, the longer the pandemic goes on, the more public health officials are wondering what the heck is taking so long. And she said, I can't explain it. It doesn't even seem like there's a story that can be written about the reason for the delay because I don't think there are any reasons for it. And then she goes on to say, typically, in order to get the full authorization, you have to show clinical trial data. And then submit six months worth of data showing that the, you know, the effects of the vaccines. Well, obviously, we've had that, right? Pfizer, Moderna got the approval back in December 2020. Um, look, I, you know, I mean, I understand that at that point they hadn't been met, but we have had millions of people having the vaccines. We have so much data. We have more data than you would get in, you know, 99.99999% of the actual clinical trial. So, what is taking so long? Why is the FDA dragging its feet on all of this? Because this is having real world negative consequences. Yeah, look, I, I'm obviously not a doctor and expert on this, but also yeah, yeah. in addition to that dispatch thing, Crystal, uh, um, Bill Crystal and the Crystal Conversations had an interview with Dr. Uh, Dr. Ja um, uh, that mm -hmm. got up yesterday. And he says this. He excellent, goes, excellent conversation. Yeah, he goes, we have more data on these vaccines than anything the FDA has ever approved in the history of the FDA. So I, I, I don't know. Um, I, that seems to be a me to be a more urgent matter than than some of the stuff the CDC is doing as well. And 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 there just needs to be a much more. I, I think across the board. Obviously, it's the Republicans that are to blame for this for the most part. But but the Democrats across the board more urgency and creative thinking on incentivizing with people to get the vaccines, making sure they're putting out the announcements like the FDA and other, and, and that there's a clear narrative as Sonny Bunch wrote yesterday about why people need to yeah. get the vaccines. And we need to get this over with. I mean, here's the other thing that annoys me also on this, on this, Charlie, among the media and among some of the fear mongers on the, uh, of, in, in the media on this is that 
you know, there's now outsized coverage every time there's a breakthrough infection for somebody who has, you know, who has gotten vaccinated or, you know, there's coverage, you know, that the charts are back about how you're seeing how many cases are going up. The case, it doesn't really matter how many cases there are among vaccinated individuals. I mean, you know, back when all of the charlatans and the assholes who were wrong from the start and were comparing this to the flu back a year ago or over a year ago now, like the, the, the wrong points that they were making then are true about vaccinated individuals now. Like it is just not, a, it's not a significantly dangerous, you know, disease for people who are vaccinated. It's, it's not. And so there's no reason to be concerned. The only reason to be concerned about the community spread is because of the unvaccinated people. So I, I, there's not I, this, a clear enough message about that. And, 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 and I think that's a problem across the board right now. It, it is. And I, I agree with you. And, and there's, there's two problems with the CDC reversal on the indoor masking. So here's the headline in the Washington Post. I mean, the, the first is, where where's the data? CDC reversal prompts experts that where is the data? Where is the evidence that this is actually necessary? Where is the data showing that vaccinated individuals would have enough of a virus load to be able to pass it on? Um, this seems to be a fundamental question. The second point that you alluded to is, is it's a terrible narrative. The narrative should be get the vaccine, get your life back. You will not face a serious threat, right? And this is what Sonny Bunch wrote about. He said, what we're seeing right now, let me just read a little bit. What we're seeing right now from the CDC about COVID, about masks and about vaccinations is a narrative that no one understands. You know, here's a simple narrative that makes great intuitive sense and has the added benefit of being true. Okay, so here's what they should say. If you get vaccinated, you have a small chance of catching COVID and virtually a nil chance of being hospitalized and dying, meaning life can go back to normal and you can stop wearing masks. Full stop. That's what they should be saying. Here is what's actually, here's his version of what's actually coming out of CDC, that everyone should get vaccinated because that will stop you from getting a serious case of the disease. And some vaccinated people who live in some areas can stop wearing masks, but other vaccinated people who live in other areas will have to keep wearing masks because we don't want people who aren't vaccinated and seem hesitant to get vaccinated no matter what, to get bad cases of COVID and die. And Sonny Bunch writes, look, so now if I'm not vaccinated, I look at that messaging and I say, why would I bother getting vaccinated? The vaccinations don't work. And that's why vaccinated people have to keep wearing masks. See, this is the thing. I mean, I just it's we, we don't we don't need more confusion. We don't need more doubt because it just feeds into the we can't trust experts narrative. It's very damaging. I think the FDA needs to get its act together. I think the CDC needs to get its act together. Yeah. And just, just two more quick things on this. I, the, uh, I, I want to get to the to the Republicans and, and the assholes in a second. But but I, it is frustrating. Like, you know, I, and, and when I'm doing MSNBC and some of these other outlets where there is this attitude out there that's like, actually, wearing a mask isn't that big of a deal. Stop being so selfish. Like, yeah. you know, we need to do this for our community. And I, that was true last year that we needed to do this for our community. And, and it's and it's fine. If you're a high area and you want to be cautious and you want to be um, thoughtful of unvaccinated people in your community and you want to wear a mask, and, and if we if we need to make, you know, rules around, around you know, planes and other high volume indoor spaces. Like I get it. I, I, I get it. It's fine. But, but to act like it's not a big deal. It's just not true.
true. I, like a lot of people's lives were have been really altered by this, and 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 that includes you know people who you know can't attend events and functions they want to attend. That might seem like not a big deal, but it is. Humans require you know you know sociability. You, I, I shout out to all the introverts out there, but most of most humans require sociability. There is also obviously people who can't. Um, uh, people who are immunocompromised, who the vaccine isn't working as as well on, like for these people, you know, uh, like uh, getting people vaccinated is 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 important, right? And so these sorts of sacrifices like do matter. If you have to go back to life where the immunocompromised people have to stay inside again because uh, they're worried about all this, so I, I just these these sacrifices do matter, and, and I think it's not good politics. Like for the Democrats should be the ones who are saying we are, we are solving this problem. We want to get people vaccinated. We had a system in place, and it, and it is and it is people who are lying to you and people who are charlatans that are the ones that are making that are that are extending this pandemic, and this needs to stop. And we need to figure out ways to incentivize everybody else to get vaccinated. You know, to make up for the jerks. That, that are refusing to do it for no good reason because they're because they're being lied to by Republicans and conservatives. Okay, so so the but the Biden White House needs to call up Tim Miller, even though he's on vacation, because this is what this is exactly what what Joe Biden needs to do. He needs to stand up there and say, you know what, I don't want anyone to have to wear a mask. I don't want any business to be shut down. I don't want any schools uh, not to be open. And the way to do that is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. If you know somebody in your family or in your neighborhood that's not getting vaccinated. You know, urge them. You know, this is this is how we reopen America. So make it clear. I am against lockdowns. I am against shutting down, you know, keeping kids out of school. I am against mask mandates. And the way that we prevent all of that is the vaccine. That is the beginning and the end of this. And if you are upset about the lockdowns, the shutdowns, what's happening with the schools, you're having to wear masks. You need to go to the source of the problem, which is, uh, which are those folks who are lying about uh, the vaccinations or refusing to get the vaccinations. That strikes me as a very clear and clean message that 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 Biden could could push and would put the. Well, you know, the, 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 the charlatans on the defensive where they where they belong. I think that's right. And I just would add the one thing, which is if you and then, yeah, sure, let's be considerate and put masks back on in grocery stores. But understand that's what we're doing. Like we're sacrificing because they are lying to you and because they, mm-hmm. are, they are creating it. Right. Like, like, at least, like it's fine yeah. to say that, to make that suggestion and to be considerate. Obviously, there are immunocompromised people, other folks out there, you know, in areas where there's community spread. But man. A much more aggressive, I, I think, forward-facing message is right. And, and I just want to say on the schools, since you mentioned it, this will be if, – if, if the schools are not open after yep. Labor Day, this yep. is grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory. And, and, yep. I, and I don't, and I don't, you know, want to play into the right wing narrative or whatever. But, but, uh, but that's just reality that that's going to be the narrative. And 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 the Democrats are going to be blamed, and teachers unions rightly should be blamed, and Joe Biden cannot let yep. himself and his congressional majorities be responsible for that. Like and they have to, they have to figure it out. They just have. There's no, <sighs> there's no middle ground. Well, I could not agree more strongly. I think this is this is a huge uh, this is a huge issue, and uh, you know, you, you you mentioned that sometimes within the the progressive bubble, there's a certain level of denial. Um, take these things seriously. Take issues like urban crime seriously. Take the the concerns about schools seriously because these are legitimate concerns. They can be demagogued, yes, and there can be performative assholery, yes. 
but that doesn't mean that you ought to decide that they're not they're not important. Okay, so in the time that we have left, just uh, like so, really good. Yeah, yeah, sure. One sure. progressive bubble thing. I I saw this article from a I forget if it was a teachers union or a progressive activist who was like, you know, the kids not being in school last year, like they learned oh. other things. They were at home and oh, with their family. I mean, it's just like, this. <laughs> no, no, the kid, they got to be back in school. Kids got to be in school. Okay, so you brought that up. This was in the New York Times, and it was one of these progressive educrats who were saying, you know, this is a false narrative that there's a learning gap because, uh, first of all, learning's not that important or something. But, but they learned about cooking, and they learned about racism, and they learned about, wait, this is not the message you want to be embracing here. The kids need to go back to school. Yeah, we, are in we are in favor of this. So uh, I, have a, I have a confession to make here. Yeah. I, it's a kind of a haunting confession because I'm, I'm going to confess to something that didn't actually happen. But, you know, I, I've said this before on the podcast that one of the things I'm very grateful about, about, you know, my life since since 2016 is that I no longer have to have a daily radio show, a three and a half hour daily radio show where I had to have a hot take and an opinion on everything immediately. You have to understand, you know, that you get up every day and, you know, you have to have a, an opinion on the news of the day. Now, I have the luxury, which every human being ought to have, to sit back and go, I don't understand that issue. I'm going to wait to see what all of the play, you know, you know, what, what information I'm going to get, what the various perspectives are. And then I'm going to weigh in. The reason my my, my nagging fear is that I, 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 I can imagine being, especially now that the right-wing media has decided that Simone Biles represents everything they are opposed to. Um, I understand sort of the gravitational pull of the hot takes. Okay, she's the star at the Olympics and she quits and we're against quitting, right? We are against weakness because we are all about toughness and you suck it up and you do this. I, I mean, there is that temptation. But, um, you know, I, I, I have a piece coming out in Politico later today about Simone Biles, which is actually more about the fetish of toughness and this weird phenomenon, though which I understand, but I, I think people need to think about a little bit more. Why did right-wing America decide that they were almost like pathologically, I mean, almost like Pavlovian response to attack a woman that, a young woman that by any other standard is one of the most admirable, uh, admirable exemplars of human excellence that I can th I can think of, you know, really a symbol of American greatness and American exceptionalism. And and yet there was this piling on the Charlie Kirk, you know, she's a selfish sociopath and ashamed of the country, you know, that we're raising a generation of weak people like Simone Bales says, you know, fat ass Charlie Kirk, who appears in television for, you know, pain relief supplements. And, you know, the Federalist, sorry, Simone Biles, the Olympics is not about you. It's about winning for America. You know, real champions don't quit, which is bullshit because Simone Biles <laughs> has nothing to prove to anybody. You know, she's won 19 gold medals in the world championships. You know, in 2019, you know, she became the first, you know, American gymnast to win five gold medals. She's won four gold medals and a bronze in the last Olympics, you know, tying the record for the most gymnastics medals by a woman in a single game. No one has been more of a champion. She has worked through all sorts of challenges and everything. And you have these pasty-faced, white, you know, man-child, you know, demagogues sitting there going, she's not tough enough. 
guys who, you know, I mean, can you imagine Charlie Kirk on the parallel bars? <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, what the, it's the absurdity of it, but it is this fetish now that, you know, it's all about toughness and about being manly and how dare these veterans cry, these police officers cry, because real men don't cry, which is, of course, bullshit. And yet this has become this thing in the right-wing media that's kind of blinded them to how stupid it is to be attacking someone like Simone Biles, who is going to be remembered as one of the greatest American athletes of all time. And I guess, Tim, I see, I'm, I'm, I may be, you know, I may be old, but I'm spry enough to remember when, when conservatives actually took pride in American athletes, when they didn't uh, root against American teams, when we didn't have former presidents of the United States encouraging people to boo the women's soccer team, when we would have had a certain level of human empathy for one of the greatest athletes of all time who says, I can't perform today. Right? I, I, it's, it is this inverted world we're living in, but we are sort of seeing what's happened, how the, this sort of fetish for strength is good, weakness is bad, and that's our only value. There's my rant. Um, yeah, well, hey, kudos to you, Charlie. I'm, I feel lucky as a gay that like, I don't have this gene to like, feel like I need to overcompensate for my masculinity. So I think that uh, extra points for, for you for fighting your, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, these sort of tough guy bro impulses. Um, that, that, and, and I think I, I just... You know, this might be, um, you know, maybe too deep of a thought for here late in the podcast, but um, I, I do. I think that there's something tied to the fact that all of these guys. I was listening to your rant. All of these guys don't actually do anything that requires no. masculinity or toughness. <laughs> now, this is a different era, right? That was not true for their parents or certainly their grandparents, right? Like they didn't go to war, right? They don't do jobs that require use of their hands or muscles. You know, they're not part of any of the, uh, this was sort of similar to that, the really great conversation you had with David French about this, like in the crisis yeah. of masculinity, right? And, and I think that, that th- th- this is tied to that, right? That there's this need to overcompensate, you know, for the fact that they are really in this imaginary keyboard war, not in a real war. And, and, and that, that is a big part of driving this. So like they need to sort of get out this aggression in a way. And, and it's being, you know, channeled in this extremely unhealthy you know, environment, um, uh, uh, into these sort of BS online troll wars. And then, you know, you look, you, and, and it's all, it's all not, it's again, it's just like the COVID. I mean, it's tied also to the COVID vaccine, right? It's like, it's like, I'm a rebel. I'm Eric Metaxas. I'm, you know, I'm an effete, uh, preacher in Texas and I, and I'm going to be a rebel by not, but, it, but, it, not. Yeah, but, but he's not a real rebel. What, what he is, is he's a petulant adolescent going, you're not the boss of me. If you say, you know, if you said to do something, I'm not going to do it. And somehow in his mind, that becomes being a, t- you know, it, 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 it's like in their mind, there are these heroic brave hearts when they're actually just petulant, spoiled little boys. Yeah. And it's, and can you imagine any of these guys taking a punch or throwing a punch? <laughs> the whole thing is just all of conservative media. This goes back to, do you remember the pajama boy controversy? Oh, I, I remember I loved watching the, I was big in that. And, the yeah. and all these guys. And it's just like, no, you guys, like all of, like all of you have, if you looked at your palms, like none of you got a single blister, you know, you have Twitter, you have Twitter elbow. And by the way, so do I, 
but I own that, you know, like, the, you know, and, and so I think that they have shame, this deep shame over the fact that they're only, you know, sort of injury and that, you know, injury comes from their Twitter elbow. And so, you know, they have to take it out on these other people. Obviously, I think there's a racial undertone to, to the Biles, to the Biles stuff, um, you know, and it ties into the other um, uh, uh, Olympians that got attacked, um, you know, for speaking up for Black Lives Matter and all this. And, you know, I, I really also appreciated the um, the Matt Walsh tweet was my favorite one because he yeah. said, what about Michael Jordan? It's like, Michael Jordan's dad died and he quit basketball for two years at the height of his prime. What do you mean, what about Michael Jordan? He could have had eight <laughs> championships instead of six. Does that make him less of a man? You know, and it's just... Like it's easy, I think, right now to you know pick on a young woman like Simone. So you know, I don't, I don't know. Well, they were, they were, they were. Yes, you're right. And but they were also, you know, picking on these uh, police officers who you know shed tears, or you know, and and then I think it was Matt Walsh who also said, "Are you, are you? We actually have you know police officers crying. Are you kidding me? What, a, what a joke? Because the implication would be that that somebody who had gone through a traumatic situation would never um, you know show any sort of weakness, which means that." He's never actually been around veterans of combat. He's never been around someone who's experienced, you know, um, a horrifying event of, you know, involving life and death. You know, you spend time with veterans. I mean, just imagine the, the thinking that you're looking at a veteran and the, the veteran sheds tears and you think that's a sign of weakness or lack of manliness. And imagine being someone who'd never served, who had never fired a shot in anger, sitting in judgment and sneering. At a genuine hero who's showing some humanity. This is this is a, a pathology. This, this is a, in his basement. <laughs> he's like yeah, a Canadian exactly. with man boobs in his basement. I mean, could you imagine being this guy's yeah. children? I just feel sorry no. for that. You know, it's like you can't cry. Like a, a police officer who was attacked, who was called the N word, can't can't shed a tear over over an attack on our capital. I mean, like this is how you know how just sort of un. Um, you know, unemotional you have to be, you know, how, how uneven you have to be to be a man. It's just, it's just so. Okay. So I'm I'm at the the danger of throwing in too many deep thoughts at the end of the, of the podcast, you know, you think where did this obsession with, you know, machismo uh, come from and how is it, how is it substituted for any sort of substantive idea? And, you know, and and go back to Simone Biles. I mean, she didn't take a knee. She's not engaged in any politics. It's just, you know, so this is, you have to wonder why they've decided to pick on her. But also this, again, this emphasis on strength, on toughness, on winning, um, whatever augments the the will to power, you know, is is good. Whatever shows weakness is bad. I mean, quite frankly, this this is the fascist attitude. You know, fascism is not a coherent ideological program. People get confused about it. It is not, you know, uh, you know, this position on you know infrastructure or this position. Um, a lot of it is just the position. It is the posture. It is is the strut. It is the attitude. And you you listen to the Seb Gorkas and the Charlie Kirks and everything, and you do wonder, you know, where have we heard this before? I mean, the, despite all the talk about how, you know, our Christian values and we're a Judeo-Christian country, the reality is the inspiration from this is pure Nietzscheanism. I mean, this is all, you know, this is, this is all Frederick Nietzsche, will to power, you know, whatever, what is good, whatever augments the feeling of power, the will to power, power itself and man, what is evil, whatever springs from weakness. I mean, damn, you know, if, 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 uh, if Nietzsche was alive today, he'd be a host on Fox News. I mean, he would, he'd be, he'd be right there. He'd be going, absolutely. Mega man. Yeah. Nietzsche. 
well-known, well-known Christian uh, theologian. It's true. Uh, I, I did have in the, in the bowl, just, I, I thought it was interesting, just I want to flag in case you'd missed it up. We had a guest article from Lee Sargent, literally a few days before Simone dropped out about the, the, you know, horrors of what the gymnasts go through, actually, and the, and the training and, you know, how, what a kind of ridiculous program, you know, it all is and, and how much, you know, sort of physical pain um, that they have to endure. Obviously, there was also the sexual abuse crisis associated with it. So, right, right. you know, I mean, it's just like, again, I, I think that, you know, this is the just the athleticism, the amount of work, just imagining the amount of work that somebody had put in, like Simone Biles, to get to this moment to be like, I can't do it. I mean, it's, it, it really is heartbreaking, you know, because you just think about how bad she must have wanted it, right? But, but you know, the kind of pain and suffering that these guys go through, and, and that's what makes, you know, sport great, right? Like, that's what, as Jake was talking about, that's the juice in all of this. It's, it's, it's hard. And, that, and so that's wonderful for people that overcome it, but, but maybe... You know, it should it should be a moment to reflect on like what we're doing to these young girls and like think about, you know, maybe there are more healthy ways for us to for us to achieve this, um, you know, but that would require uh, some nuance and some emotional maturity when it's right. this easier to say, you know, black girl, black girl, wimpy you know, flabby, right. flabby white man on the internet strong. Well, that would also require us to treat her like an actual human person right. as opposed to simply an instrument of, you know, national greatness or whatever she's supposed to be. By the way, if people want to actually become smarter about this, uh, Google the, the word twisties because she said that she had the, uh, she had a case of the twisties, which is actually a thing in gymnastics. So for poor people say, you know, she was weak or everything. Um, people in, in, in the gymnastic world, and I'm not one of them, um, explain what happens and you realize the amount of mental toughness and muscle memory that's involved, the, the, the degree of, of risk. Um, you can injure yourself, you know, terribly if, if you lose focus in any way whatsoever, you can, you can break your neck, a lot of things. So look up twisties, um, to give some sense about this, but you are, you're, you're absolutely right. As, as usual, Tim Miller, Tim, Thank you so much for taking a break from your vacation to uh, join us on the podcast today. Charlie, I'm headed to the beach. I'm going to have a daiquiri. I uh, hope people enjoyed this. We'll catch you next week. All right. Well, you have a daiquiri for me as well. And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow, and we will do this all over again. Cheers. Cheers.